0: Welcome to this Innovation Forum podcast with me, Ian Welsh. I'm delighted that joining me today are Leah Sandberg, who is Lead Scientist for Global Policy at the Rainforest Alliance, and Pete Garbutt, who's Sustainability Director for Nature and Climate at McDonald's. Welcome to you both. Hello.
1: Hi, Ian. Thanks for having us.
0: We're going to be talking a bit about a new guide to aligning corporate targets around deforestation and conversion-free supply chains. Leah, what is the new guidance and who's been involved in bringing it all together?
1: The guide that we've produced is intended to help companies understand how to take an integrated approach to account for both deforestation and conversion, and associated greenhouse gas emissions from land use change. It was jointly developed by the Accountability Framework Initiative, the Greenhouse Gas Protocol, and the Science-Based Targets Initiative's Forest Land and Agriculture Project, or SBTI FLAG, to support companies in using guidance from all three organizations in concert with each other.
0: Why have the participants worked together on this?
1: This month, the Greenhouse Gas Protocol and SBTI flag both released the most detailed guidance yet created on how companies should account for emissions from agriculture and forestry production and trade and how to set targets to reduce them in line with 1.5 degree climate goals. For many companies in food and agriculture sectors, the largest component of these emissions are from land use change. So it was really important to all of us that we make it really clear that there's already a great deal of work that's been done to understand and address land use change by companies following the accountability framework. And we wanted to make sure that the new guidance from these two initiatives builds on the framework and on what companies are already doing to address deforestation and conversion. So this guidance is our effort to clarify and explain how all these things fit together.
0: More specifically then, what is the new guidance setting out to achieve?
1: So it's intended to clarify how best practice on accounting for and setting targets for land use change emissions found in the new guidance from SVTI flag and the Greenhouse Gas Protocol relates to best practices from the accountability framework. So there's three main components on this. The first is target setting. Companies are being asked to set both no deforestation, no conversion targets, and science-based targets to reduce emissions from land use change. And this document explains how these two types of targets relate to each other. The second is accounting. The guidance explains how accounting for deforestation and conversion and accounting for land use change emissions relate to each other at both the farmer plantation level and at the level of a sourcing area. And the third is disclosure. What should companies be reporting to show progress towards both their no deforestation commitments and their flag emissions targets? And this guidance sets out some best practices and some recommended indicators for both of those.
0: We do get a lot of initiatives, don't we? There's an endless series of well-meaning initiatives that come together. Why is this not just another initiative?
1: There certainly is a lot going on in this space. And I think it's important because a key goal of this guidance is really to make it clear That all of the different NGOs working to clarify and create accountability around commodity-driven land use change are working together. We're tackling different pieces of this puzzle, but we're trying as hard as we can to standardize and simplify and align whenever possible, rather than creating more stuff and more initiatives. And that's why, for example, the GHG protocol uses AFI definitions around land use change. And it's why the SBTI flag guidance requires an accountability framework-aligned no deforestation commitment far from being sort of just another initiative, I think this guidance is really intended to reduce duplication and support more streamlined processes. We're really doing the best we can in terms of clarity.
0: Let's delve a little bit more into the detail. Why is land use change so important when thinking about company carbon emissions and impact?
1: As we're frequently saying, land use is responsible for more than a fifth of human-caused greenhouse gas emissions, half of which comes from deforestation and conversion of other ecosystems, the majority of which is for agricultural or forestry production. I think there were sort of some new data just came out, so 80-90% of tropical deforestation and conversion is really a link to agriculture. Um, In addition, the land sector has the potential to provide up to 30% of the climate change mitigation potential needed to meet our climate goals. Given all this, for companies with agriculture and forest products in their operations or supply chains, reducing emissions from deforestation is going to be one of the highest priorities for meeting climate goals and emissions targets. We say over and over again that there's no net zero without no deforestation. But it's really a mathematical certainty. Companies in this sector aren't going to meet climate goals without addressing land use change right up front.
0: OK, let's come to those three aspects that you talked about just now. What are the most important considerations for companies when setting targets?
1: Two things. I'd say the first thing is really about ambition. Our timeframes for averting the worst of the climate and biodiversity crises is really very short. And if we're going to do this, it needs to be done fast. The AFI says that no deforestation and no conversion goals should be met by 2025. Flag tools make it clear that these and all other forms of land use change need to really be brought to zero by 2030 if climate goals are going to be met. So companies really need to set these targets, keeping in mind the resources and capacity that they're going to need to make them sufficiently ambitious to meet those goals. And I think the second is implementation milestones. Eliminating land use change will be an iterative and stepwise process and credible targets going to need to be tied to information on how the company is going to get there. Are there milestones on the way to the overall target to increase traceability or to address first-tier suppliers and then indirect suppliers or to scale up monitoring systems? I think the experience of 2020 no deforestation goals that we've blown past has made it really clear that targets aren't credible without a process for transparent implementation over time.
0: It's definitely like everybody had their chance in 2020, blew it a little bit. So it's this, this time not going to make the same mistakes again. What about accounting for impact? What are the most important considerations when doing that, when accounting?
1: Absolutely. And, you know, accounting is is the biggest piece of this. And it's, it's really complicated. And, you know, there's a huge amount of guidance coming from especially the GHG protocol on this. Two considerations that are pretty universal. Those are to be comprehensive and to be transparent. For both deforestation and conversion and land use change emissions, companies to think across all of their operations, suppliers, and geographies, really in a comprehensive way so that the numbers that we're getting out of this are meaningful and interpretable, not linked to specific geographies, specific sets of suppliers, etc., and the second is really about transparency in the accounting methods. There's different approaches still being discussed on which lands are included, which emissions factors to use, etc. So regardless of what approaches companies take, they need to be really clear about the data that they're using, the assumptions that they're making and how they arrive at the final figures that they're reporting.
0: And how are these impacts best disclosed? I and mean, we talked a lot about reporting. What are the best ways to go about that?
1: This guidance includes a set of recommended indicators for land use change, for deforestation and conversion through progress. And for land use change emissions and companies looking to disclose effectively on these topics can use that list to make sure they're including essential information however they're reporting however disclosure is really a key area in which we're working hard not to reinvent the wheel so we work closely with cdp to ensure that disclosure using cdp forests and climate questionnaires are aligned and have appropriate methods for disclosure we've worked with the global reporting initiative on their new agriculture sector standards so that this information can be disclosed through sustainability reporting using that standard so, companies can continue to report using common and accepted platforms while using this guide to ensure that they're including all the relevant information.
0: Pete, let me turn to you. How would you characterize McDonald's land use change
2: impact? Around 99% of our emissions as a business are in scope three. Most of those emissions come from our supply chain, from the activities around growing, processing, transporting food and fiber products. Now, we know that how we and our suppliers source the ingredients for our menu and the fibre for our packaging can both directly and indirectly impact forests, the communities that depend on them, and important to this discussion, the greenhouse gas emissions associated with them. And the majority of farm-based commodities that we source do have some element of land use change emissions embedded in them, either through direct impact from the growing of those commodities, or via things like animal feed which has been grown and had an impact on forests and the natural environment. But the precise amounts of them differ by lots of different factors, including the type of commodity and the sourcing region. And while we tailor our emissions data and our land use change data to the sourcing, unless we have more detailed sub-country origin level sourcing information, then a lot depends on the land use change emission factors associated with that country.
0: How then does countering these into your route to net zero strategy?
2: Eliminating deforestation and credibly accounting for the impact of this on our greenhouse gas emissions is a core pillar of our climate strategy. It ranks alongside working to support our suppliers to reduce emissions through farm management efficiencies and to invest in climate resilient farming systems like regenerative agricultural practices which can both improve soil carbon and soil health. Different aspects of those priorities as part of our strategy come to life in different ways across each commodity source and each sourcing region. So what's important in the US will likely be different from the UK, as will the route to achieving that positive impact. In relation to forests, we made commitments back in 2015 to eliminate deforestation in our primary forest-linked commodities by 2020. And to do this, we put in place roadmaps, requirements, detailed processes to prioritise progress in those commodities and at the end of 2020 we sourced 99% of those commodities in ways that supported deforestation free supply chains and we continue to report our progress annually against that. Now our challenge is linking that investment with our climate accounting and so strengthening the approach where needed, expanding our focus to other supply chains too where needed to drive down emissions. And so it's one of the reasons that we're engaged with groups and organisations like AFI, Science-Based Targets Initiative, FLAG, Workstreams, and also the Greenhouse Gas Protocol, because we know we need to collaborate with others on the solutions to some of those challenges that still remain in this space, and especially around the accounting challenges of measuring the impact, monitoring it credibly, accounting for it, and then scaling up some of the interventions that we need to have to address that impact.
0: Are those the current challenges for McDonald's where this guidance will help
2: then? They are challenges where this guidance will definitely help. And the challenges that we have are ones that business across the world I know will share. As I say, the vast majority of our emissions are in scope three, both in our franchise restaurants and with our supply chain. And this brings with it a whole web of complexities in terms of, from a supply chain perspective, traceability, and then accounting for all of the greenhouse gas emissions associated with that, both in land use change and greenhouse gas emissions from other activities as well. To help with this, we've invested in a centralised internal enterprise level climate tracking system. We use millions of lines of data every year to model the emissions from our sourcing, restaurants and operations, including those from forest land and agriculture and land use change emissions. And then we, to take action on it, We've already made commitments in respect of science based targets and to eliminate deforestation. And we have clear expectations for McDonald's suppliers that they should likewise set climate targets, measure emissions, and make reductions. And we work with organizations like CDP Supply Chain to reinforce that expectation with our key suppliers. So we request 145 suppliers making up 80% of our spend to report their actions to CDP annually and this year we had an 87% response rate to that request. That data is then shared with our procurement leads for each category and we also provide feedback to our suppliers on their actions against our expectations and run things like webinars for suppliers with CDP as well as having climate action toolkits that our suppliers can access. So we're trying to cascade that expectation for action throughout our supply chain. Alongside the other guidance from AFI, this particular guidance helps us to take that credible and consistent approach when we're looking to not only account for the baseline emissions from land use change within our supply chain, but to guide us on how we can structure projects and interventions that aim to address those land use change emissions through uh, eliminating deforestation. Clearly,
0: it's very complex and a comprehensive approach is what's required. As I put to Leah, do you think there's a danger of initiative overload here? Or is your view that this sort of joined up approach is what's actually needed to get through and to enable all these initiatives to work together?
2: I think it's a huge issue. And yeah, it, it is going to be complex. There's no issue. I think when you delve under the surface, doesn't very quickly get complex. There is a lot going on in this space, and it's very easy for people to get confused by the number of different commitments that people have, the different types of commitments that are being announced, or the statements of progress that organisations have made. And It doesn't serve us to confuse people, and it's not helpful when we're trying to demonstrate positive progress being made by us and by our suppliers. And I think initiatives like AFI help to provide that alignment of guidance that businesses like ours can use and align with to ensure that we can be credible in how we're shaping our strategies, but also reporting our progress.
0: I think the point that Leah made around not wasting effort, I think is a very important one as well, because if all these different things that have to be looked into by your business, all the different guidelines and and target setting, then to bring it together so it works together, I think is really important. From McDonald's, Pete, then, are there any specific markers for that um, to look for that uh, will demonstrate that this new guidance is helping you?
2: The most obvious measure of success would be the numbers of companies who are choosing to set science-based targets to demonstrate their commitment to reducing their greenhouse gas emissions in line with the levels required to keep global warming at 1.5 degrees, but also those suppliers who are transparently reporting their emissions, including land use change emissions and demonstrating how those emissions are reducing through the positive impacts of their forest commitments as well. And we know that businesses can report both to CDP climate and also to forests. And those disclosures really should overlap and complement each other. I think a less obvious market would probably be a growth in the numbers of companies who are taking collective action, who are getting involved in groups to coordinate activity and figure out solutions, whether those are on areas like accounting solutions, whether they're on monitoring solutions or whether they're on working out how we can scale action from small scale projects into large scale change. We take an outcome-based approach to our work and we know that the actions that we're taking on things like climate are easy to demonstrate the impact of through our greenhouse gas emissions, but we're not gonna be able to do that without working with others, that's hugely important. None of us is as good as all of us.
0: Thanks for much indeed, Pete. Fantastic to hear how McDonald's were using the guidance. Leah, uh, turning back to you then, from your perspective, what will constitute success with the guidance, and how is it going to fit in with the other work of the accountability framework going forward?
1: I think success for us for this guidance will definitely be seeing companies increasingly linking their deforestation targets and activities to their climate targets and activities. When we have calls with companies about their forest policies. Are those people also thinking about climate or are there climate people also on the call? Things like that would be a really good sign for us. I think if companies can think about you know, traceability or monitoring or supplier management in terms of both forest and ecosystems and climate, I think we're going to start to see some more movement on achieving both sets of those goals. And I think this guidance is a really good indication of the direction that AFI is moving going forward. We spent a lot of time defining attributes of effective, incredible, no deforestation, and no conversion policies. And now we're trying to use the broad reach of our coalition to really continue to dig in and support companies and in integrating those policies at the heart of their sustainability goals as they're working to achieve climate targets, but also biodiversity targets, sustainable development targets, etc. So the extent that we can really be working across our coalition to really make sure that forests are at the center of all of the things that companies are doing to meet their targets going forward.
0: It does feel that this is all about now. This is the how it's going to happen part of the road to getting to net zero and the road to eliminating deforestation. Everyone's agreed we need to do it, and now really we're getting into the details of how it's going to happen. So very exciting indeed. Listeners, links to the new guidance will be in in the podcast description, so look out for them then. And there will be other materials which are announcing the various aspects of the guidance are available as well. But for now, Leah Sandberg from Brain Alliance and Pete Garbutt from McDonald's. Thank you very much.